BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. This is fascinating. This was in the Axios newsletter today. Major dating platforms. This is uh, Ursula Pirano writing for Axios. Major dating platforms, including OkCupid, Hinge, and Bumble, have introduced filters to sift out matches with incompatible politics. It's pretty amazing. Apparently, Trump is polarizing the dating world as well. OkCupid saw a 187% increase in political mentions on profiles between 2017 and 2018. The company says the trend continued in 2019. 72% of female respondents in the U.S. said they would not date someone with political opinions that were, quote, the exact opposite, end quote, of their own. 72%. Female users... Guys, female users are twice as likely as men to filter out matches of people who don't explicitly say that they vote. This is, uh, she's quoting a guy named Hobley. Let's see who that, oh, yeah, this is uh, OkCupid's chief marketing officer, Melissa Hobley, says, quote, voting is the new six-pack for guys. It is way less about what you look like and much more what you believe in and, and what you care about. Uh, some conservative, and then between the lines, uh, Ursula notes, some conservatives say dating has proved challenging in the age of Trump. Oh, those poor conservative snowflakes. Anti-Trump mentions on OkCupid profiles have spiked by more than 52% since 2017, while mentions of conservative terms, in quotes, fell by 78% last year. Politico reported in 2018 that Trump administration staffers are struggling to find dates in D.C. And then finally, you know, every now and then, if you listen to this program regularly, you know that, you know, at least once a week, a couple times a week sometimes, but at least once a week, somebody will call in and they'll say, you know, I'm an independent or I'm a moderate. And then they and then they'll start quoting Fox News. (laughs) It's just it's like a clue. Right. So uh, to add, this is the last paragraph on, the, um, on this Axios article. Users who mark themselves as moderate, in quotes, in, in online profiles are often assumed by users to be hiding right-leaning ideologies. Yeah, let me tell you about it. And I'm not talking about dating, I'm talking about everything else. So something to think about. Hmm. 
ponder. I think it's a it's one of those bellwether things. It kind of tells you where the nation's at, where the nation's going, and what we should be paying attention to. Republicans never changed their stripes. In the 1920s, it was the party of big business. You know, after they repudiated the original Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, they became the party of big business. They became the party of monopoly. They became the party of the big banks. And they became the party that, since the 1930s, when Franklin Roosevelt rolled out the New Deal with things like the WPA and the CCC and Social Security, they became the party that says all that stuff is socialism. None of that stuff should even exist. And now we have audio of the senator from Iowa, Joni Ernst, who is up for re-election this year, by the way, basically laying that out. Just to fill this in before I play this so that you, so you get what's going on here, when she talks about discretionary spending versus non-discretionary spending, non-discretionary spending is code for Medicare and Social Security. And the reason why, as she points out, is that it's on autopilot. Basically, you are guaranteed your Social Security benefits, you are guaranteed your Medicare benefits by virtue of age or disability. And so as more people come into the pool, the expense goes up. It's not discretionary. We have no discretion over it. We can't say, oh, we're going to cut that back or we're gonna, without legislation. It's not you know, like the government can say, oh, well, here's our new budget. Well, actually, they can, but they, they would have to change the formulas, and it, it would be much more involved. And so when Republicans talk about getting control of non-discretionary spending, what they're talking about is cutting Medicare and Social Security and Medicaid, those three programs. And so this starts out with a guy who's been probably you know reading the BS that's coming out of right-wing think tanks that... You know, we can't afford these programs. They're out of control. They're going to bankrupt the country. And then Joni responds. Here, here we go. Well, even without the additional spending, we're already going bankrupt. Exactly. And, I mean, exactly. Uh, being health care, some of the biggest driver of that being entitlements. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting hearing uh, your, your classmate, David Perdue, has been pretty frank oh, about, yeah. uh, you know, the changes that need to happen Absolutely. with, you know, Medicare, Medicaid. Mm -hmm. uh, are you on the same page with him on mm -hmm. that? There are. Yeah. I think we all are because mm -hmm. we all understand um, our non-discretionary spending that's the non-discretionary spending is like social security and medicare she's talking about she continues it's growing like this everybody focuses on the discretionary spending because that's what we have control over in congress the rest is on autopilot and it's out of control so we we have to figure out ways to honor the commitments that have been made that make changes for the future um, so right, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna honor the the commitments that have been made, and we're gonna screw the next generation. That's the Republican message. Let's hope somebody gets it, gets it out there and people figure it out. Lydia in Port Angeles, Washington, watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Lydia, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Thanks for letting me call again. I wish you a happy Valentine's Day to you and your wife, and well, happy V-Day, which I just learned about on uh, Amy Goodman's show. They're dancing around the world. It's called A Billion Rising. It started out for just awareness about women and girls subjected to various kinds of violence, but they expanded their mission to include Mother Earth, and I'm just so glad wow, about it. Wow, that's great. I didn't yeah, you know, I'll yeah. have to educate myself. Thank you for that, Lydia. Heidi in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Heidi, what's up? Hi, Tom. I called you a few months ago about how 
we're just descending somehow into Nazi Germany. But I just wanted to make two more points that I see going on. Last night on NPR, I heard that Trump had ordered that all Washington, D.C. government buildings be built in the neoclassical style. Yeah, that was actually a week or two ago. But yeah. Yeah, that's what Hitler ordered in Berlin. I know. And also about H.F. Bonhoeffer, actually some of the first people sent to the concentration camps were a woman who provided abortions to Aryan women. Hmm. And so I think it needs to be pointed out to these anti-abortionists who will do anything, anything to prevent abortion, including, you know, descending into fascism. That needs to be pointed out to them that the first people sent to the camps along with the socialists were women who provided abortions to Aryan women. Yeah, and it was the democratic socialists, actually, if you go back and, and read Niemöller's first, uh, his, the first iteration of First They Came For, he refers to the democratic socialists. Heidi, thank you, uh, spot on. And uh, also look up Carl Schmitt sometime, I should do a rant about him. He was the, he was, the Nazi who said that we should take the criminal justice system and forget about criminal justice, use it to help our friends and punish our enemies, which Hitler fully embraced. Tom Hartman here. My new book, The War on Voting, it should be titled The Republican War on Voting, which is what it really is, Who Stole Your Vote and How to Get It Back, is in bookstores near you and online. It is the third in the series, the Hidden History series. The first was Guns in the Second Amendment. The second was the Supreme Court, the Betrayal of America. We're doing a book tour on the voting book here on Monday, February 17th in San Francisco, at the, or in Berkeley, actually, at the Arts and Letters series at 7.30 p.m. On Wednesday, February 19th, I'll be in Seattle at Town Hall, 7.30 p.m. Sunday, February 23rd in Minneapolis, the Blue State Ball at 1 p.m. Friday, the 28th of February in Portland at Powell's on Burnside and Sunday in Chicago on March 1st. You can check it all out at TomHartman.com. All the information is there. Tom in Hudsonville, Michigan, listening on 95.3 FM. Hey, Tom, what's up? Hey, Tom, the first time I heard Bernie's campaign compare him to FDR, and I wonder why he doesn't do that more often, and I wanted just uh, some of your ideas on why he doesn't do that all the time. I'm personally of the opinion that if Bernie had branded himself from the beginning of his political career as an FDR Democrat rather than as a Democratic Socialist, that he'd be in much better shape right now in terms of pretty much everything, you know, with regard to, you know, getting to the White House. That said, he's in very good shape right now. I'm trying to train myself to more often when I'm referring to Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren to refer to them as FDR Democrats because that's what they are. And in some ways, LBJ yeah, I, Democrats, although LBJ's you know legacy was tainted by Vietnam. But yeah, it's absolutely the case. And I think they should be doing it more often as well. Thanks a lot for the call. D in Seattle. Hey, D, what's up? Hi. My gosh, it's so nice to speak to you. I just wanted to say that I noticed that when I make comments about Trump's kids, for example, his kids had to get a court order to learn how not to steal from veterans and sick children. Yes. And they had to take classes. All three of them had to take classes. Exactly. So anytime Trump tries to kneecap Joe or anybody, any other opponent that he's scared of, they should bring up the morality. But I get banned from 
Google when I you know when I mentioned Trump goes into something about other people's wives and so on. I list the twenty some odd plus women who he's preyed upon, especially sitting next to on an airplane or or in an elevator or wherever. He's a, he's a predator. Yeah. And next you know, bam, I'm off Google or it's banned. And then I notice on your station sometimes we have an amazing speaker. It shuts out on the radio. You well, know? it's about or to shut out in a second and a half here, T, because every single hour, every single day, if I haven't well, hit a break silent. earlier, it's it's it just takes it out. So, uh, D, there are no conspiracies here on this program. Trust me. You know, uh, we don't. If, if somebody disagrees with me or somebody says something I think is wrong, I will challenge them. I will take them on. In fact, I relish it. I don't avoid those conversations. But, yeah, thank you very much. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And I'm sorry, Dee, to hear that you are having a hard time on the Internet. You know, there are ways to do this. You just have to learn how to finesse it. And just FYI, Saturday uh, in Los Angeles is sold out. But there are still tickets available for, what is it, Monday? Yeah, Monday in San Francisco at 7 p.m. That's at the Hillside Club, 2286 Cedar Street in Berkeley. And you can get information at TomHartman.com. Just FYI. So I wanted to talk about Michael Bloomberg a little bit. Michael Bloomberg is like, he has become the presence on MSNBC and CNN, and uh, particularly on MSNBC. And I think, you know, part of the reason is that he's spent close to a half a billion dollars so far carpet bombing states where there's going to be primaries in the next few weeks, in addition to some national advertising. And it has kicked him up in the polls to where he's above Elizabeth Warren right now. He's number three in the national polls. And in some of these individual states, he's gotten way, way up there. With African-American voters nationwide, he's over 20% now, which is substantial. So what's the deal? Blake Zeff over on Twitter laid out a thread. He covered Bloomberg as a journalist, as a New York City journalist, and, excuse me, worked with some of Bloomberg's top aides. He points out that what Bloomberg is doing right now in his run for the White House is pretty much the same thing that he did in his run for New York mayor. And he gives an example from a story back, now this was back when Bloomberg was a Republican and a friend of Rudy Giuliani's and promoting stop and frisk. All of things that would probably not cause the pastor of a black church to endorse him. But here's a a news story. A few weeks ago, the Reverend Calvin O. Butts III, the influential pastor of the Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem, came to a difficult decision, one he had wrestled with all summer. He would not endorse William C. Thompson, Jr., the city comptroller and a longtime friend and ally for mayor, as he had promised Mr. Thompson last spring. Instead, he would endorse Mayor Michael R. Bloomberg. Mr. Thompson was furious at the betrayal, but what he did not know was that Mr. Bloomberg had given a $1 million donation to the church's development corporation, roughly 10% of its annual budget, with the implicit promise of more to come. And then they quote Pastor Butts. He said, what could I say to a man who is mayor and was supportive of a lot of programs that are important to me? Okay. So in this campaign, Washington Post, Bloomberg spent $2.2 million to help elect Representative Mikey Sherrill, Democrat from New Jersey, $2.2 million to help elect Representative Haley Stevens, Democrat from Michigan, $4.5 million to elect Representative Harley Rauda, R-O-U-D-A, Democrat of California. All three members have endorsed Bloomberg's presidential campaign. So, you know, you help people out, they help you. 
In 2018, Mike spent about, again, I'm quoting from this thread, Mike spent about $110 million to boost 24 candidates in Congress. And uh, he quotes an article about it. Goes on to say, community groups back Mike's candidacy. He reversed a voter referendum on term limits. When he became mayor of New York, New York had term limits. You could only be mayor for two terms. Bloomberg was mayor for two terms. He wanted to stay for a third term. And it uh, turns out that, how did he do that? Well, charity backing Bloomberg third term got millions. Mayor Michael R. Bloomberg has donated millions to the Doe Fund, whose leaders just helped him alter term limits. And then after changing parties from the Republican to Independent in 2007 as mayor, the Republican Party never attacked him. Why? Well, again, here's a news story from WNYC. Bloomberg gives record $1 million to state Senate GOP, the single largest donation ever received by the, House of by the Republicans in the House of Representatives. And then, you know, the campaign has grassroots support. Look at all these people showing up for his events. Well, he cites a picture showing uh, Mike Bloomberg rally tonight in Philadelphia is catered and really good food and free wine. And then there's the stuff, Mike poaches talent from other campaigns. Michael Bloomberg's campaign staff get a MacBook Pro and an iPhone 11 on their first day and three catered meals a day, not to mention good pay. And he's paying for people to say nice things about him on Instagram, 150 bucks a whack. And then, of course, there's the nonstop ads. One ad portrays him as Obama's best friend, even though he didn't endorse Obama back in 2008 and barely did in 2012, scolding Obama for being partisan, divisive, and a populist. But basically, because he controls the ads, he can craft whatever narrative or message he wants. So all of that sounds like, and I think was meant by Blake Zeff, as an indictment of Mike Bloomberg, as a way of saying, don't vote for this guy. We shouldn't support this guy. This guy shouldn't become the Democratic nominee. And I can understand that sentiment. That said, I remember a few years back, hearkening back to the Buckley decision in 1976, which made the Bloomberg candidacy possible. In 1976, the Supreme Court said if an individual billionaire wants to fund their own campaign, they can ignore all the campaign finance laws, or virtually all of them. They can do anything they want because it's their money, and money is speech, and the right to free speech is guaranteed by the First Amendment. So I think the equation that many Americans are making is, you know, Donald Trump is a billionaire. He's got a billion-dollar war chest. He's developed this Death Star, super sophisticated data thing with help from Mark Zuckerberg, another billionaire on Facebook. If it's going to take, essentially, a dirty billionaire to beat another dirty billionaire, at least he's my dirty billionaire. I think that that's the math that people are doing, and it's certainly the story that's essentially, you know, I mean, boiled down to a fairly crass summary, the story that I think is being portrayed on MSNBC and CNN, or at least that I've seen this, that's really catching on over the last few days. Maybe they see this as the last chance to stop Bernie. I don't know, you know, what's going on in the back rooms in these networks. But I think for the average voter, they're saying that. And I'll just say, you know, if, if Bloomberg ends up being our nominee because he was able to buy his way into it, and, you know, somebody asked him the other day, are you trying to buy the election? How do you respond to people who say you're trying to buy the election? He's, he's like, I'm not trying to buy the election any more than anybody else who runs campaign ads who are trying to buy the election. And I suppose you could say there's some truth to that. He's playing by the rules of the game that the Supreme Court 
a highly corrupted Supreme Court. This is why my last book was The Hidden History of the Supreme Court and the Betrayal of America. This is one of their major betrayals. But the Supreme Court set the rules. And those rules make it a hell of a lot easier for a billionaire like Donald Trump or like Michael Bloomberg to become president of the United States than for any average person, period, full stop. You know, so if that's what it takes, then maybe that's what it takes. I'm remaining relatively agnostic on this. I'm, you know, I back in the day, I mean, you know, on this program even, although a lot of the Bloomberg stuff happened long before we were on the air, but I was opposed to stop and frisk, and I thought it was a horrible policy. And then Bloomberg was essentially, the new video that's out is his essentially defending redlining, excuse me, which is an insanely reprehensible policy. Will he be able to walk back from those? Well, you know, a major black politician just came out and endorsed him a few minutes ago. I'm sorry I don't have their name. I, I caught it on CNN as it was you know, flying by while I was on the air. So we'll see. Marilyn in uh, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Hey, Marilyn, what's on your mind today? Tom, you were talking before about the percentages different people have and beating Trump by this and that. And I've seen all of that. It has everybody beating Trump. But the reality is we had the same thing with Hillary and she didn't win. That's right. The election is going to be won or lost in certain states. We all know that, right? Mm -hmm. And I had heard about six weeks ago that there was some kind of polling done in these battleground states. And they said that the people there prefer a centrist. Mm -hmm. I don't know who did the polling. I don't know if it was the Democratic Party. Yeah, if you can't cite the poll and the details of it, Marilyn, it may not be true. But the fact of the matter is that polls this far out are largely meaningless. It's, you know, the polls, right. the poll that's going to count is going to be on November. I think it's the third this year, you know, the actual election. And the polls mm -hmm. in, the, in the weeks leading up to that are the, are the ones that are going to be more meaningful. But, you know, Donald Trump has this billion dollar, they call it the Death Star, this billion dollar massive misinformation, disinformation lie machine that has, mm -hmm. you know, over, as I recall, over 4,000 data points on every single American. They, you know, and this is stuff that mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg, by and large, has given to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. He knows whether you like cats or dogs. He knows, you know, whether, whether you have a problematic kid or not. He knows whether, you know, whether you're married or not. He, he knows everything about mm -hmm. you. And he is going to figure out a way to design an ad that just talks to Maryland. And that's why they've got over 1,400 ads that all kind of look the same right now on Facebook, but each one is customized to a unique, a unique type of person. It's going to get more granular than that as time goes on. This is going to be a really difficult campaign. And well, I believe I heard this on W, uh, excuse me, MSNBC. Yeah. I think they... Well, it. MSNBC sure as an institution loves centrists. I right. mean, they've been promoting Amy Klobuchar from day one, particularly the Rachel, Rachel Maddow show. That could be. And, that and, could be. But and, I am concerned that if we don't win these key states, we lose to Trump again, and that scares the heck out of me. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, in most of the swing states, I believe in most of the swing states, I know certainly in Michigan and Wisconsin, in the primary, Bernie Sanders beat Hillary Clinton so, and beat her decisively. And West Virginia, you know, I mean, he, in West Virginia, he beat Hillary Clinton by something like 30 points. So I think the... And you were talking about the exit polling the other day in mm -hmm. these states that showed Hillary winning. 
I don't know if you remember that, but the same thing happened in 2004 here in Florida when mm-hmm. Kerry was running. Yes. NBC, I believe, projected him the winner in Florida, and all of a sudden they took it back and said, oh, sorry, no, it's Bush. Right, and that's because of voter suppression by Jeb Bush. And, and the same thing happened in Ohio, by the way. The exit polls in Ohio showed Kerry overwhelmingly winning. And when the governor of Ohio actually, you know, added up the votes, I think it was, well, the secretary of state was Ken Blackman. I don't recall who the governor was, mm-hmm. but, but when Ken Blackman tabulated the votes, it was, gee, what a surprise. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah, di- that scares it's me. I hope George we can get a fair election. Yeah, well, I, we will not get a fair election. I can guarantee you that. And that's why we need to turn out in absolutely overwhelming numbers. Thank you, Marilyn. Good talking to you. It's the Tom Hartman program, the true people's media. Hey, we have a new video up for our, the supporters of our program over at TomHartman.com. I really enjoy doing these separate from what we're doing on the air because sometimes I can say things that I, you know, would be impolitic or inappropriate to say on the air. Like the name of the website that I'm talking about in this video, and I lay it out and share it with you on the video. It's uh, RatBleepingTheCourts.com. And the bleeping, of course, is a word that you just can't say on the air that starts with F. And... Uh, this website is just outing these judges that Donald Trump and the Federalist Society have been sending through Mitch McConnell's Senate like a frigging assembly line and how unqualified they are, how hateful they are, how aggressively they've worked to screw students, to deny. Well, one of them actually said that women who are on birth control pills, that should be reason to fire people. Right? I mean, this is just insane. You can check it out over at TomHartman.com. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And uh, Joseph in Ireland. Wow. Hey, Joseph. Yesterday we had a call from, I think it was Sweden. That's right. And today it's Ireland. Joseph, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's up? Hi, uh, Tom. Uh, yeah, just to give you, I suppose, a perspective from uh, across the water. I am a Bernie supporter and, f- and follow his campaign uh, very closely and, and generally the, the, the full campaign at the moment. But assuming that the DNC realise that, that Bernie is, I suppose, the, the, the strongest candidate, if he continues to go the way he is, and if, you know, if they do get behind him, most certainly, look, at he will and has the full wherewithal to, to beat Trump. However, where I would see a problem is uh, let's assume he beats Trump. I cannot see Trump leaving the White House. And I think he would use Bernie's democratic socialism, although, as he likes to say, socialism stroke communism, that was the most recent one, to stand his ground in the White House and rally his base to say, you know, to save America. He's not going to allow it to become a socialist or communist state, you know. Um, right. And I think that's, the, I think that's the, the stance he'll actually take and use that, as I said, to rally his, his base. And unfortunately, probably, you know, rallied him with arms, a call to arms as such, as well as a call to action, you know. 
I think you're right, Joseph. And I think that if Bloomberg gets elected, he'll say, the guy just bought the election. That's not fair. This is a scam. I'm not going to leave. If Klobuchar gets elected, he's going to say, oh, you can't just have, you know, some little woman. This is a dangerous world. Or he'll figure out some way to slam her. If it's uh, Joe Biden, he'll say, you don't want this corrupt guy whose son was in Ukraine. I mean, he'll figure out, I don't know specifically what he'll say, but, but he'll figure out an excuse regardless of who it is. And I don't think that what Trump's excuse might be should dissuade us from supporting or not supporting the candidate that we think, A, best represents our values, and B, can beat Trump. Or maybe we should reverse the order of those two things. Although it appears that all of the Democratic candidates at this point in time can easily be Trump. But, you know, it's, I don't think there's going to be anything easy about it. And I share your concern that Trump is not going to leave the White House. And we have to be prepared for that. And he wouldn't be the first guy to do this, by the way. He would be the first guy in American history to do this. But now you look all around the world. He absolutely would not be the first guy to do this. Yeah. So I think he's gone too, he's too, he's too far gone in trouble, let's say, uh, to, to do anything else, only dig his heels in. And, and, and I agree, because his alternative, yeah. once he's out of office, is he goes to jail. So, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I'm with you. Joseph, okay, thanks for watching come. the show and there in Ireland. Yeah, lovely. Appreciate it. Good talking Please. with you. Okay. Thank you. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need Home Title Lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need Home Title Lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Catherine. I just wanted to say you've been asking all day, what can we do about the current political predicament? And my answer is revolution through the vote, through the vote. Yeah, that's part of my two or three step process is not only do you have to get out to vote, and if you live in a red state, make sure that they haven't purged your name from the voting rolls, but get everybody uh-huh. you know. Get your brothers and sisters and kids and parents and friends and yes. neighbors and coworkers and, you know, the guy down the street that you well, only see once people, a year. Tom, yeah. Tell them we're in a revolution through the vote. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure revolution is the word you always want to use. It, it no, works with some folks. But, okay. All right. You got it, Catherine. <laughs> I'm all in favor and do it. Thank you very much for the call. Mike in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Hey, Mike, what's up? Thanks for watching Free Speech TV. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. From Cheeseland, by the way. And every time we say cheese up in Wisconsin, you smile. There you so go. It feels good to say cheese, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> cheese. Yeah. But, you know, listening to your show, and I, I sure appreciate everything you do, you know, we cannot overstate the risks that we're facing. And when we're talking about the money influence of all these corporations that have 
not only had multi-billion dollar uh, annual profits, but are getting you know hundreds of millions or even billion dollars in tax. Hundreds of billions of dollars in tax cuts. And, you know, when, when we tie it all together, yeah, and by the way, we're not even talking then the billions that they're offshoring that right. keep us away. It's really something how these groups like the Business Roundtable and, and other groups of the CEOs within the Fortune 200 companies, how by investing a couple million dollars uh, from each one of these corporations, the net return is just staggering. And when you then look at the industries that they represent. I mean, you know, whether it's Pfizer, Citigroup, Honeywell, GE, you know, it's the who's who of pharma, of healthcare, it's food, it's insurance, it's energy, it's banks, it's military. It goes on and on. So, again, we cannot overstate the risks and we cannot overstate the need for a massive turnout because that is really and truly, I think, the only true way, the best way to gain at least some control back and, and, and pivot away from this insanely obnoxious corporate structure that we are all being, we're subservient of. Well, and let's and let's call what Trump is building what it is. He's he is building a fascist infrastructure into Absolutely. the existing institutions of our federal government. Yeah, and Bill and Barr have, uh, is, is, is his shock, uh, is, his, is at the head of his shock troops. Yeah, yeah, and now we have industries that are in the misinformation business that popped up 10, 20, you know, no, in the last 10, 20 years. Yeah. It, it, and it's, it's really something, so again, it, it is in our hands. Uh, it's up to us. Nobody else is going to save the day. Yeah, we are the ones who are going to save us. I'm with you, Mike. Thank you very much for the call. It's great to hear from you, and thank you for watching Free Speech TV. Stick around. It's the Tom Hartman program. Fair, but only slightly unbalanced. I'll be right back with more of the news of the day and your thoughts and mine right after this. So we have a new video up over at TomHartman.com for uh, people who are signed up for supporters of our program. And it's about how Donald Trump, 16 days after Mr. Khashoggi was murdered by the Saudis in Turkey and his body dismembered and vanished, 16 days after that happened, without notifying Congress and with virtually no mention to anybody, Donald Trump authorized the transfer of top-secret nuclear technology to the Saudis. This should be a serious issue. Tim Kaine, the senator from Virginia, is raising hell about it because Khashoggi lived in Virginia. But I think everybody in Congress should be raising hell about this. And when you back this up with this new report out from ProPublica that the Saudis were involved in 9-11, it gets real interesting. So you can check that out over at TomHartman.com. You know, look for our basically members-only video. Tom Harbin here with you. So, encouraging our elected officials by calling the congressional switchboard at 202-224-3121, encouraging your elected officials to stand up to Donald Trump and to stop us from this slide toward fascism, number one. Number two, learning about your local elected officials. Most people don't have any idea who their state representative is or their state senator is. Find out.
Who's your governor? Learn what's going on. Get involved. I'm telling you, Charles Koch and the billionaire buddies and his billionaire buddies are very involved in state politics. You should be, too. Whatever Democratic candidate you're supporting, do whatever you can to support them. And however it shakes out, commit right now that you are going to vote blue no matter who. You know, I made the joke yesterday I'd vote for one of Bill the Cat's hairballs over Donald Trump. You know, I stand by that. Mike Bloomberg even is much better than a Bill the Cat hairball. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be real interesting to see if, you know, Americans will pick a billionaire over, a, a, you know, a politician. Well, I guess Bloomberg is a politician, too. We'll see. I, I, I just I don't know. But the bottom line is whoever the people choose. And we're part of the people. We play a role in this. You know, we, we all need to get behind. And then finally, make sure that your voter registration is up to date and you're going to have to check it every couple months if you live in a red state, particularly if you have a, a, a common last name for African-Americans or a common Hispanic last name. Republicans will purge you from the voting list if you live in a state with a Republican secretary of state. If you live in a democratically controlled state, probably not a problem. But red states, look out. So... Anyhow, to your phone calls here, Gloria in Shannon, North Carolina. Hey, Gloria, what's up? Hi, Tom. I just wanted to comment, make a comment on um, everybody's making the statement that Trump is this and Trump is that. If people would have paid attention to Trump's past, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, Trump done an interview with Howard Stern. And in that interview, Howard Stern asked him, was he going to run for president as a Democrat? Uh, and Howard Stern told him, he said, you know Democrats are not going to elect you. He he told him no. He said he was going to run as a Republican. Because Republicans are stupid, and they'll believe anything you tell them. I remember. And that's what he, he converted over to being a Republican. Yeah, he's a con man. He knows who his marks are. Exactly. And I also want for people to know that... Trump lost his own precinct in New York. He only got about 15% of the vote in his own precinct, the precinct he votes in. Yeah, that's probably why he he's moved his residence to Florida. So they, they should have known that uh, people, if people would have paid any amount of attention, they'd have known that Trump was not the person they needed to put in an office such as, as, as the presidency. Yeah, look at the but, people who uh, know him. For everybody to understand, like you said, if your name is synonymous with black, with... If it's a common African-American last name or a Hispanic last name, look out. Double check your... Out. Yes, keep checking. Yeah, particularly there in North Carolina, uh, Gloria. There in Shannon, North Carolina. Mine is not, and I I don't have that problem. Well, good, good. But still double check, because you you may be living in a neighborhood where that's the problem. You know, we should all, don't take anything for granted if you live in a red state. That's the bottom line. Gloria, thank you so much for the call. It's great to hear from you. Tom, in Jerusalem, Israel. Hey, boy, we're getting a lot of international (laughs) viewers on YouTube. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind today? um, Actually, I'm an expat, and I look at what's going on in Trumpistan with great, great concern. I would think whatever your candidate is, and again, I agree with you so much that this is an existential threat, existential threat. This man has to be defeated, and you need to put somebody in, at least on the vice presidential ticket, that's going to give you some leadership and inspire people. And if you saw Tammy Duckworth's speech 
on the Senate floor. I can see why the Republicans wanted that coverage suppressed, because she was so articulate. You're talking during the impeachment hearings. Exactly. And I know her personally. I was commissioned with her. I, of course, didn't go to the war. She went to. Okay, that's another issue. And she lost both legs there. Yes, (laughs) trust me. I would have went to Canada, but they were sending people back. W needed his people for surges. Anyway, long story short, she, I think, could deliver the kind of speech like Ronald Reagan did in 1964. And my dad, I think he ended up voting for Goldwater. He voted for... Long story short, my dad's not Jewish. He voted for for uh, George Wallace in 1968, 72, 76, whatever. We're at a watershed point in history. Yeah. And you need somebody who can articulate. And trust me, I, I'm not crazy about her because she's so close. You know, she, she was sitting with Karl Rove on a dais back at the Reagan Defense Forum, you know, December 6th of last year, okay? Well, defense but is her thing. I mean, she's on armed services and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I mean, she's, 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 that, a, she's a little bit more of a hawk than I'm comfortable with, but well, but she's a, maybe, she's a Democrat and she's competent. And frankly, I'm a socialist, period. But I think it's like Wendell Phillips when he called President Lincoln a first-rate, second-rate man. Okay, but look at what Lincoln pulled off. Yeah. Maybe this is what we need a mother. We need a mother of the country and somebody in a wheelchair. FDR brought the country to greatness, to greatness. Yes. And maybe she has. And anyway. without sounding like I'm endorsing Michael Bloomberg, because I absolutely totally last thing on earth am not. Well, I hate the guy but too. but the two most revered presidents, Democratic presidents of the 20th century, Franklin Roosevelt and Jack Kennedy, were both, Bingo. they were the richest men who were ever president of the United States. Yep. Thank you very much. It's great to hear from you. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is Proof of Conspiracy, How Trump's International Collusion is Threatening American Democracy by Seth Abramson. This is from the introduction. In late 2015, after Donald Trump has formally announced his candidacy for president, a geopolitical conspiracy emerges overseas, whose key participants are the leaders of Russia, Israel, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Egypt. These six men decide that Trump is the antidote to their ills. For Russia, U.S. sanctions. For Israel, the lack of Arab allies. For Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Egypt, perceived threats emanating from Iran. The conspirators commit themselves to doing whatever is necessary to ensure that Donald Trump is elected. Trump's presidential campaign is aware of and benefits from this conspiracy both before and after the 2016 election. On March 19, 2018, British journalist David Hearst, the former chief foreign leader writer for The Guardian, publishes the most important report of his career. Hearst, at one time the Moscow bureau chief at The Guardian, is now editor-in-chief of his own publishing venture, a London-based Middle East watchdog called the Middle East Eye. In the spring of 2018, he reports the existence of a years-long, continent-spanning conspiracy that will eventually envelop the President of the United States, the Red Sea Conspiracy. 
This book denominates the conspiracy Hearst uncovers as the Red Sea Conspiracy for the simple reason that it is hatched on a yacht in the middle of the Red Sea, a seawater inlet of the Indian Ocean bordered by, among other countries, Saudi Arabia and Egypt. One imagines that in his many years as a correspondent and commentator for the Scotsman, the Huffington Post, Al Jazeera, El Arabi, Al Jaid, TRT World, which is Turkish, Masar Al Agan, Egypt, and The Guardian, Hearst never thought he'd stumble on a story as far-reaching in its implications as the Red Sea Conspiracy. But he did, and what he found could change the course of history. This book chronicles the events around the globe that preceded and followed the fall 2015 origin of the conspiracy, with a special focus on how the conspiracy prompted Donald Trump and his aides, allies, and associates to covertly collude with six countries, both before and after the 2016 presidential election. Russia, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Israel, Bahrain, and Egypt. Events that began on the Red Sea in 2015 now influence President Trump's foreign policy toward all of these countries, toward other countries not involved in the conspiracy, such as Qatar and Iran, and more broadly toward Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. The story of the Red Sea Conspiracy begins with a man named George Nader. As reported by Hearst in the Middle East Eye, toward the end of 2015, Nader, then an advisor to the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi, Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nayan, known as MBZ, convened, with his patron's permission, a summit of some of the Middle East's most powerful leaders. Gathered on a boat in the Red Sea in the fall of 2015 were Mohammed bin Salman, known as MBS, Deputy Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, who would shortly become the heir apparent to the throne of the Saudi Kingdom. MZB himself, by 2015 the de facto ruler of the United Arab Emirates. Abdel Fattah el-Sisi, the President of Egypt. Prince Salman bin Hamad, the Crown Prince of Bahrain, and King Abdullah II of Jordan. Nader, the improbable maestro of these rulers' clandestine get-together, intended the plan he posed to the men to include the nation of Libya, but no representative from that nation attended the gathering. Of the leaders aboard the yacht, too, MBS and MBZ are already close. According to a New Yorker interview with Richard A. Clark, a counterterrorism advisor to Presidents Barack Obama and George W. Bush, MBS and MBZ, quote, talk on the phone all day to each other, end quote. The Red Sea meeting, although technically convened by Nader, is a means for MBZ to advance ambitions that he and MBS have designed together. The two Sunni Arab leaders' intention, Hearst records, is to remake the Middle East with the covert assistance of a highly placed American politician. They intend to do this by first renaming and reconstituting the membership of the six-member Gulf Cooperation Council, the GCC, which in 2015 comprises Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, and Qatar, while reorienting, too, its regional ambitions and global alliances. The proposed GCC realignment would evict Kuwait, Oman, and Qatar from the Council and replace these three countries with Egypt, Jordan, and Libya thereby eliminating the entity's historical association with the Persian Gulf and remaking it as, instead, an alliance constituting, quote, an elite regional group of six countries which would supplant the GCC and form the nucleus of a coalition of pro-U.S. and pro-Israeli states in the Middle East, end quote. According to two sources briefed on the 2015 Red Sea Summit, quote, Nader said this group of states could become a force in the region 
that the United States government could depend on to counter the influence of Turkey and Iran, end quote. Prior to 2015, Turkey and Saudi Arabia had intermittently enjoyed strong diplomatic ties. Book Proof of Conspiracy by Seth Abramson. So it could be Valentine's Day, it could just be a date, you know, especially a first date. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. You glance in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. Uh-oh, what do we do? Ha-ha, here's my secret weapon, Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, literally, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing right in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to tryplexiderm.com and enter voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter voices at triplexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code voices. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, so to get my special discount, enter voices at triplexiderm.com. I've heard people call and say, well, if Amy Klobuchar, you know, she was trembling during the debate before last, you know, or Joe Biden, you know, he stutters or uh, fill in the blanks, right? It's uh, Elizabeth Warren. She's a woman. Bernie, he's a socialist. If they get in, they, they won't be able to beat Trump. Well, a couple of things. Number one, the most recent study, and I believe this was Monmouth University, might have been Quinnipiac, but it was one of those two, was just released a couple days ago. And that survey found that Bernie beats Trump 51 to 43, and Bloomberg beats Trump 51 to 42, and every other candidate beats Trump substantially. All, most of the other candidates were in the high 40s versus Trump at 42, 43. Trump is stuck at 42 or 43 percent. Now, keep in mind, we are nine months out from the election. And elections have absolutely, I mean, this far out from the election in 1980, Jimmy Carter was just kicking Ronald Reagan's butt. And then Reagan cut a deal with the Iranians to hold the hostages. And suddenly things changed. So I, I wouldn't put anything past Trump. But the bottom line is I trust the wisdom of the crowd. We've had this conversation before. The whole story of the red deer democracy is in our DNA and all this kind of stuff. I trust the wisdom of the crowd. And I think that, you know, whoever our nominee is, that person will be able to beat Trump, but they won't be able to do it without our help. Dave in Inverness, Florida. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, Tom. I've just recognized something about the dirty tricks they're pulling on Bernie again. You know, he mentioned the other day, Tom, that uh, Buttigieg has got uh, like 40 donations from billionaires. They want to run against Buttigieg. That's what they want. They, they, and another thing that they dirty you mean they being I've Trump. This here. That's right. Yeah. And not only that, Tom, but what they'll do, they can they can switch parties right now in these primaries and try to primary Bernie. Like, and you know, the New Hampshire race 
was just and anybody could vote for anybody they wanted, including Republicans or independents. So they don't care. They're not. They don't think they're wasting their vote. But they're pri- trying to primary him. I'm telling you right now, that's, that's the dirty tricks that I learned right here in Inverness, Florida. Yeah. Well, Donald Trump said the other day that you know Bernie's actually got a movement behind him. He would be the most formidable opponent. I think there's some truth right. to that. But you know, it's still like I said, it's still nine months to go, and there's a bunch of elections ahead of us. And you know, let's let's hang on for the ride. And in the meantime, oh, I, I, you know, you know who I'm going to vote for, just like I did the last time, Bernie. Okay. Good luck, Dave. Thanks a lot for the call. You know, and we need to be waking up our friends, and we need to be sharing our concerns, and using social media, and talking to your neighbors, and calling your legislators. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Bob in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind today? Tom, greetings to you, teacher. You teach me grace. Thank you. What's up? Yes. I want to speak to the things you've been speaking to. The Death Star is a fear wagon. It's a fear wagon of despair and hate and delusionary unaccountability. Mm-hmm. The Death Star is a surveillance machine by the Federalist Society and the GOP agency. Fascism is a disease. It needs to be kept in mind that this is a disease. Fascism is a disease of mind and body, the overall body of democracy. And this disease creeps in as the false economies fail and accountability with authority denies democratic process. Exactly what's happening now, exactly what you're talking about. You describe these monsters, or I should say this monster, this many-tentacled monster. I wish I had 10,000 hands. My goodness, we just can't be busy enough. But you're right. You've always been right and righteous to say despair is not an option. My mother used to say this. Bless her soul, she passed away here recently, and she was always fighting for what's right. Yeah, I, I borrowed the phrase from yeah. Bernie. He used to say that on the yeah. show all the time. Yeah, go Bernie, go, but I will vote for whoever the candidate becomes against Trump. As far as Bloomberg goes, Bloomberg, Bloomberg. You know, I mean, maybe he can keep some issues in the light. I see him as a Perot factor. Uh, but it's always been a struggle, don't you think, to maintain any fact-based perceptions towards the future of sustainability and regenerative eco-structures? I mean, we're building democracy slowly. This is a big setback. No, actually, I think setback. right now what's going on, Bob, is we're deconstructing democracy slowly. No, we aren't. There are some who are. Yes. And there are uh, and there is a... Uh, yeah, we're trying to hang only, on to it. Only, only a percentage only and it's not a majority of the people that support this plan mm-hmm. and and i'll tell you what the rapture people have a lot to answer for because if they're going to create some magic bus to go to heaven in they're going to have to be a lot more inclusive otherwise they need to just get off the planet and let the sustainable people and the people who want you know to you're live, talking you're talking a cult here bob you know this is this yeah, is a cult, a cult that, that emerged in the late you know with mr rush dooney and and his buddies back in the late 1800s early 1900s and 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 their unique interpretation of the oh. bible it had never been interpreted well, yeah and i've been seeing this all my life when i was when i was four years old i saw president kenny get his head blown off and i saw how sad people were my dad was a social worker he was a quaker he worked with the people all his life Citizenship, if your boat floats, it's your canoe to paddle, it's your, it's your life to live, the best that you can choose. There you go. Good rant, Bob. Good rant. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, Bob's always good for a rant. Hey, 
Hey, we have a new video up over at TomHarbin.com for supporters of our program. And it's about the state representative, Timothy Gintner, in Ohio, who has proposed legislation. It actually passed the House of Representatives in Ohio, HB 164. It's now going to the Senate, where there are 33 senators, nine of them Democrats. This legislation, if you were to ask a student, say you're a science teacher, and you were to ask a student the question like, does the sun rotate around the earth? Is the earth the center of the universe? And the student said yes, you would have to grade the answer as correct because the student might belong to some cult that believes that the earth is at the center of the universe. Seriously, religion trumps science in the classroom. It is getting so weird out there. Anyhow, you can check out the whole, all the details of it in our little video over at TomHartman.com. Thanks again for supporting the program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And, oh, let's see here. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? Hey, not too much, Tom. Hey, I just wanted to drop some stuff on you. You know, there's a story out now about a huge chunk of Pine Island Glacier that broke off. I've been tracking Thwaites, okay, because they did a map, a really good mapping survey of the of the ground underneath the ice. Mm-hmm. And Thwaites and Pine Island are up against a canyon. They're up against the deepest canyon on the earth. And there is no saving them now. But I want to highlight Pine Island because of the acceleration. If the western ice sheet goes, the sea level will rise four feet. That's just an empirical fact. All right, if the sea level rises four feet, you can kiss a lot of coastline goodbye, okay? And I also wanted to mention this thing with Venman in the Pentagon. That's where I retired from as a Pentagon. This Venman thing, I found out that Colonel Venman is of Jewish ancestry. I found mm-hmm. that out just reading an article. This is a Dreyfus affair. This is the setup. This is a Dreyfus affair. This is disgusting. Nothing like this should happen to a guy like Colonel Venman. And also... Um, hey, hey, just a second, Dave. I don't think... Yeah. I mean, you know, Trump's son-in-law is Jewish, which doesn't make him an anti-Semite, but I don't think that it was his Judaism that drove Trump's hatred of him. I think it was the fact that he had the temerity to tell the truth. Yeah, that's what happened to Alfred Dreyfus. The French were not um, necessarily anti-Semitic either, especially compared to their neighbors in Germany. But, I mean, you know, Dreyfus being a Jew was a convenient scapegoat, you know? You know, he divulged classified information. That's what the French are. Although the the French French were, were... There was a lot of anti-Semitism in France, as there is all over the world. I mean, anti-Semitism is a, you know, a, a subset of racism that continues to be a threat to the entire, to the entire planet, not just the Jewish people, because it just tears us apart as a, as a human race. Well, this is the United States of America, Tom. We're supposed to have religious liberty. And also, as far as stopping fascism, there's only one chance now. There's only one chance. We need a candidate that can go, as people say, toe-to-toe with Trump. In other words, get in the muck and the mire and counter-insult him. But they also must articulate why you know, three years of Trump is going to st- cause 30 years of decline and catastrophe in America. Yeah. They're going to have to articulate that or people aren't going to listen because Trump is using classic autocratic emotional cueing. You know, he's cueing people emotionally. And we've been basking in fear. We've been marinating in fear since 9-11 in this country. We're going to have to get brave. Yep. That's the only way to stop it. Well said, Dave. Thank you very much. 
We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Tom Hartman Cruise will be sailing in July of 2020. The seven-day Oceana Cruise will be going to Bermuda, and I'll be hosting onboard events about the topics of the day. More info at TomHartman.com or 800-856-1155.